It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach Goodall. You can make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter, at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Chris Thornton. You can find him at Misto Christofo. Chris, as always, say what's up to the people. Jimmy Smith should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> I just tweeted that. All this talk about Julian Edelman should be in the Hall of Fame, but, I mean, if we're going by numbers, Jimmy Smith absolutely should. And quite honestly, if we're going by numbers based on what Edelman's at right now, if we're saying right now he is qualified enough for the Hall of Fame, so should Keenan McCardell just for his six seasons in Jacksonville. Just as many receptions, just as many touchdowns, and a thousand more receiving yards in three fewer seasons. Just in his time here. Mm-hmm. So, duh. That's my rant for the day. Jimmy Smith will never because of his off-field stuff, but we know Edelman had off-field stuff too um, that gets covered up because no one knew who he was back then. And um, McCardell, you know, Jacksonville guy, didn't put up Smith's numbers, but the small town effect, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, let's get off offense. We talked all the past like five episodes about offense. We want to talk about defense in our Jaguars roster position breakdown. We're finally making the transition to a more positive side. We get to be happy when we're talking about the Jags today. (laughs) We're going to talk about the defensive line. We head into the season with, you know, for Saxonville, like historical pass rushing unit, ready for more expectations were as high as ever training camp. Yannick Ngakwe looked like a freaking animal. I mean, it was, uh, people were expecting them to repeat how well they played last year. I was a little skeptical because of how historic it was. I didn't see it being sustainable, but it, you you expected great things, right? Oh, yeah. The expectation was really high. Maybe it was a little too high, but nonetheless, uh, people were expecting. I mean, I know I had high hopes for a lot of people like Yannick. I, I projected 16 sacks, and, well, he didn't get to 16. He still had himself a really good year. Oh, yeah, I remember that take. <laughs> but I'm not all about the sacks. Uh, compared to a lot of people, um, I think there's so much more to pass rushing than sacks. Like, that's a great stat to have, obviously. Um, Julius Peppers, who just retired, I mean, like, his career, even though sometimes you feel like he got a little bit um, slept on, like, he's a top five sacks in total, and that's it's going to be a real argument for him into the Hall of Fame, but I'm sure he'll get in there one oh, day. Oh, Julius Peppers uh, will be in the Hall of Fame. I have no you doubt got, about you, it. You got to think so, right? Yeah, I mean, like... He was a perennial great year in and year out. He was, like, an elite pass rusher for maybe not when I was watching football, but he was still a name that you always knew. Uh, and I agree. I agree, but, like, I also feel like by NFL communities, he always seemed to be, like, kind of underrated he's, he's number sense. he's number four on the all-time right. sack leader right like he's top five and yet for some reason when you think of great pass rushers in the nfl that have been playing in the past 10 years like is he one of the first like three that come to your head especially with recency bias because i'm sure you could ask a lot of people and they're not going to tell you much about julius peppers yeah 
that was kind of the reaction. He was, he was when a part. He, he retired. He was a part he of. Was, well, I was going to say most of his. Uh, he played for. What was it? The Bears that he played? Oh no, Carolina, Chicago, and then Green Bay, and then he kind of you know started passing around. But in Carolina, that's where he, that's where his bread and butter was. And exactly, then, yeah, he yeah. was he was fantastic. Like I just, it always seemed like he was something. But anyway, we're off topic. Um, sacks are so important, but pressure counts are just as, if not more. Run defense is so important, and that took a step back this year. I'll admit. Um, but there's so much to pass rushing, like. It also comes from a lot of scheme stuff, and I, we do believe the Jaguar scheme held them back, but the expectations were really high. Um, Clay's Campbell, I thought, would step back a little bit just from you know being a little older. He had a truly historic season. Uh, they brought in Taven Bryan. You expected him to get some reps to kind of relieve Campbell outside, and he looked you know powerful in training camp. Uh, had some polishing to do, but he looked like he was a guy who, you know, had the tools to get developed into a really good player. You had the um, tandem at nose tackle of Marcel Darius and Avery Jones. Uh, there were players that were really high on Avery coming in. Like, uh, I think it was Malik told me he thought Avery was going to have a four-plus sack season, which is fantastic numbers for a nose tackle. Like, the expectations were so, so high. And when we get back, we're going to talk about exactly what happened. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Jaguars is brought to you by A1 Sliders. Are you one of hundreds of coastal Northeast Florida homeowners who struggle every day to open and close your sliding glass door? Why spend all the money it takes to replace your sliding glass door when Tony and the gang at A1 Sliders could save you money and repair your door for you? A1 Sliders is licensed and insured. They offer free estimates, upfront pricing, and will help you save on heating and cooling costs in your home from leaky sliding glass doors. And at A1, your schedule comes first. A1 Sliders is a fan of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, and in partnering with us, they will give you $25 off of any repair you order, no limit. Just mention Locked On Jaguars before getting your repairs done. Call A1 Sliders now for your free sliding glass door repair estimate at 386-538-6835. Or check out their website at www.a1sliders.com. That's 386-538-6835 and www.a1sliders.com. And don't forget to mention Locked On Jaguars for $25 off of any repair you order. A1 Sliders Licensed and Insured LLC covers the Jacksonville area from Fernandina Beach through New Smyrna Beach, based out of Palm Coast, Florida. Contact for more details on location and any questions you may have. So the Jaguars defensive line group certainly played well as a whole throughout the year, but they didn't live up to the expectations that people set. And I more so believe that it was a little unfair, some of the expectations that were set. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it wasn't what we were used to, right? Yep. Yeah, it was... <clears throat> I think the biggest thing coming into this season was we as Jags fans and the league as a whole after the 2017 season, we're so used to the Jaguars' splash plays, the interceptions, the fumbles, the sacks, 
stuff like that. And this year, the splash plays were way down. There wasn't as nearly as many interceptions, not as many defensive touchdowns, fumbles, sacks, and all that. Now, that on paper looks like the defense took a step back. But for most of the season, the Jaguars were still like a top five defensive unit, especially for points allowed, yards allowed. And a lot of that came to the, from the defensive line. Although they weren't finishing and getting sacks, they were still getting pressures. Uh, most of the defensive line has 10 plus pressures, uh, even the backup guys. So they were still getting into the backfield. Maybe they weren't cleaning up as much, but they were forcing. And I think that might have been uh, from the defensive scheme. Quarterbacks and stuff were able to get the ball off really fast, but they had to because I still think the defensive line was still getting that pressure. So the expectations were really high, but I think people were really basing it on more of splash plays which is fine because, you know, those are the ones that grab the highlights and they can change games because they're the ones that are doing, like, an actual impact. So uh, from that standpoint, I think it was kind of – we set the bar too high coming into the season. I think a lot of us might have had a level head and we knew that last – or 2017 couldn't be replicated again. So I think some of us might have checked our expectations while others expected better, bigger and better. So uh, that was one of the things that I think kind of – Maybe even the defense thought so too. Dante Fowler, going back to it, the humble thing. Uh, maybe they held their standards a little too high. So, uh, which is never a bad thing per se, but you know, you got to have reachable goals. I think that's kind of what keeps the defense moving. And I think that those expectations might have put a chip on the shoulder for guys to be able to reach better goals in 2019 Mm -hmm. and is certainly one of those types of players. Like you said, you had the, you believed he was going to make, have 16 sacks this season. I didn't see 16. I saw matching 12. I was, so he didn't come up to that. Like he didn't match on the box score that, but he was still like a top 10 to 15 pressure defensive end. If I recall correctly, still did fantastic at getting there. Just didn't get home enough. A lot of that, you know, hurts from scheme, team scheming against them. But he probably will view that as a chip on his shoulder going into a contract year as well. And I could see him bouncing back into the teens relatively easily this upcoming year. Yeah, I think uh, maybe adding a few more pass rush moves. We know he's real good with that speed rush outside. Uh, We saw early in training camp and with working with Vaughn Miller, he kind of you know, started developing another pass rush move, but I'm sure we're probably going to see him refine those. But I think his biggest thing for 2019 is going to be finishing because he would get to the he would get to the quarterback a lot and he'd either get flung off or he would just miss. So I think the biggest thing for Unique going into this year is going to be finishing because if he finishes most of the sacks that he gets his hands on, he's probably close to 16 because he get he had that opportunity a lot where he was the guy at the quarterback, but he either missed. Uh, quarterback was able to shake him off or whatnot. So I think that's probably going to be a key emphasis for not only Unique, but for the entire defensive line is finishing the sack. Now, Calais Campbell. I mean, I expected him to kind of step back simply because, like I said, his age, his size for the position. I mean, like there's wear and tear on a guy like Calais Campbell. Not that I was doubting his impact just in general for the team because he's still one of the best players on the team. But, you know, it was reasonable to say you didn't think he was going to have a 14-sack season and be the best defensive end in the NFL. But, like, he very well might have been the best defensive end in the NFL this past year from a full defensive end perspective, not just as a pass rusher. 
well-rounded uh, per PFF. He was the best edge. I mean, looking at his PFF score right now, defensively he had a 91.1 grade, which is elite. For run defense, where he really excelled at, was a 93.8, which is really good. He had, looking at it, I think he had 56 run stops, which is Jeez. uh, sorry, defensive stops. He had which. Per PFF, it's still big. Yeah, like a that, defensive a stop, a tackle that constitutes a loss for the offense. So, um, is that a tackle for not loss? Necessar- maybe? Not necessarily a tackle for loss, but yeah. like a a neutral uh, a gain of zero in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like a third down in one play, and he makes a stop before converting. I believe that's what how that's viewed. Yeah, fifty six tackles for loss is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he he did step back with sacks, but his but not by his much. play all around. No, yeah, he he went back forward at ten point five. He still broke double digits. Um, I think he's like in the top five already in Jaguars history, like <laughs> something like that. I don't know the exact number. I know he's top ten easily uh, in two seasons. So definitely, I mean, his play is unmatched. And I guess I can't bet against him to kind of fall back again next year. <laughs> because because he's still doing it. Um, now let's talk about the interior. Malik Jackson, I thought he still had a good year. He was getting some pressure. He wasn't getting home as much. He was getting a little bit washed up in the run game. He stepped back a decent bit. Um, Marcel Darius, on the other hand, played great. I thought Avery Jones was a little inconsistent, but Darius, I thought, had a great year that doesn't really get picked up on because he's the nose tackle. Like You don't see numbers that pop off on you one way or another there but he was the only reason why they were able to make any stops in between the tackles in the run game uh in my opinion when they start getting outside it was Calais that was winning a lot more um but I guess the main guy to watch is Jackson because I do believe Darius will be back whether it's a restructure I'm not sure they're gonna have to work on it I know Calais Campbell's open to a restructure um Jackson's the one to watch with a 15 million cap hit if I call, recall correctly, they can cut him and save 11. Taven Bryan, they realized halfway through the year, was just he, he was never a five tech. He was always going to be a three. And when he got put there, he started making some plays. It wasn't anything too great because he still wasn't playing a ton, but he saw some more snaps. He got some pressures. He had a run stop or two. I thought he played a lot better there, and I think they're probably going to bank on him as you were the first round pick. You had to replace someone's cap number this year, and it's probably going to be Jackson. Mm hmm. Yep, and I mean, we all knew when like Taven was brought in that he was probably going to be the eventual heir for Malik Jackson. And the kind of, I don't want to say it was funny, but this past offseason, Jaguars fans were really kind of pounding the table for Malik Jackson. We had a lot of those, uh, is he a top three, three tech in the league? And although he he didn't have the sack numbers, Pressure-wise, he was third on the team behind Unique and Calais. And if you were to ask the average Jaguars fan, they'd probably say that Malik Jackson sucked. Uh, but from that standpoint, from a pressure standpoint, he was really good. Uh, so I think that's kind of one thing that might have been misconstrued for the season. Uh, is that me? I think Malik played a little bit better, but he started getting benched towards the end, which we don't know why. Maybe it was attitude. Maybe it was just Todd Watch trying to change things up. But uh, Malik Jackson, unfortunately, will probably be the odd man out. I would be really, really surprised if he stays on the team because he does have that cap hit. You did draft 
uh, Taven Bryan, who they played at edge a lot, but we saw how much better he was when they put him at the three tech. That you know, off the ball uh, speed on the first step is just ridiculous. So if he can kind of refine that a little more, if they can keep him at three tech and stop moving him around, uh, I think he's going to develop into the kind of first round talent that they really wanted him to be. Now, I also have another very low key prediction as to what could happen this off season on the defensive line. And then after that, we'll talk about exactly what they should do to add to this defensive line in the next segment. But I think there's a chance Avery Jones has gone too. A lot cheaper cap hit at four million that they can clear fully, um, but he's a rotating dude. He's probably not loving his role. I mean, he's the reason they traded for Marcel. They believed in him, and he wasn't getting it done in the run game in 2017. So they brought in Marcel. They've been incredibly pleased with him at the position. I can't help but think. I mean, Avery had and lost a starting job pretty quickly, coming from being an undrafted dude and signed a nice extension. Mm-hmm. That he wants to play more, and I mean. They're in a position where they're trying to create as much money as they can, whether it's to go after Nick Foles or any other free agent and re-sign their own guys that they need to give these big deals to. Trim all the fat that you can. I'm not saying, like, cut everyone, but Avery Jones isn't some, like, gotta-keep guy. He's relatively expendable when you have Marcel Darius, who you could argue is a very good, if not one of the better pure nose tackles in the league right now, since he's made the full transition there. And I think he's got juice left to last him a good bit. So if he's staying, you restructure him, you get rid of Avery's cap hit and you probably take a day three guy like nose tackle is not a premium position whatsoever. You don't see those guys going early other than teams messing up and taking Vita Vea in the first round, which is just awful value. But you get a guy that maybe is a bit more of a pure pass rusher like Avery on the cheap in day three. I think that it's very they're very capable of doing that. Like Daylon Mack from Texas A&M who blew up the Shrine game and got a call up to the Senior Bowl. Yeah. And do you think there's any chance that they can maybe trade Avery Jones? Do you think he has any type of value, like a seventh round maybe? Maybe a seventh or a sixth, but that's the thing. Is like same thing within the draft. Because like our no value, time. our value of players is obviously skewed from the NFL. Because there's plenty of right. trades where you'll see a guy and you're like, "That's it." Like, right. So, well, that's the thing is, I still, I still, I don't think the league values pure nose tackles. Like, yeah. he's not that versatile. He can't play three. He can't play outside. So, but young, he's a dude's not got a large cap hit. He's probably performing better than a seventh round like nose tackle that you turn into your starter. And so, he, he, like I said, he has that cheap, he has that very manageable cap hit of what, four mil? I exactly. Think, I think yeah, so, so. A team that maybe wants to get some depth, uh, like, uh, I think like the Colts, I think might be in the market for some defensive line. I know uh-huh. Colts fans I talk to, if Malik Jackson gets cut, the Colts fans are very interested in bringing him in, which I think he'd probably do well in Indianapolis. Right. Uh, so I don't know, maybe... That, I think that you got to do that at least with all of the players that you're about to cut. Maybe see if you can get oh, any type of value for them because and was, and they definitely are. They're they're mm-hmm. they're. I'm sure every player that they're trying to cut, they're calling around first and seeing if there's any value there. Yeah, and I mean, uh, just going back real quick, we were talking about how Clay's Campbell could be, you know, where he is on the all-time sack list. He is currently seventh on the all-time sack list with 25, and actually Yannick Ngakwe is third on the list. With, with 29 and a half. He is only 25 sacks away from owning the Jaguar sack record held by Tony Brackens, 
who did people it. Said he, people said he was bad in the middle of the season because he didn't have and great Tony, sack numbers. Tony Brackens <laughs> hit 55 sacks in seven years, and Unika Ngakwe is on pace to breaking that in four. So, oh, my God. Uh, lock Unika up, please. Yeah, do it. I mean, <laughs> probably next offseason, quite frankly. Uh, sometime in the middle of next season. But mm-hmm. when we come back, we're going to talk about the future of the defensive line, how they should address it this offseason, and what the expectation should be for next year. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Assuming Taven Bryan steps into the three technique role right out the gate, what are your expectations for him, Chris, in 2019? Right out the gate? Mm-hmm. And as the season goes on. As the season goes on? Yes. Uh... No, we're I, talk- I, think he, I, I think he's going to – I mean, like – he told me at his pro day he's never played anything other than the tech. Yeah. Uh, there there was stuff they needed to polish, but that freaking burst, man. Yeah. I think I think a number like 6 is pretty manageable for him. With six. with sacks? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think he's there. I don't think he's there. Yet. I I think, I think like if he can if he can learn with the hands a little more, that burst is deadly. Right. And yeah. I I mean but I think it'll flush the pocket better than what Malik was doing this past year, in which case Yannick gets more sacks. Yeah. I, I don't mean, think it's necessarily sacks for Taven just yet, but I would not be upset with three to four in his first year. I, I think all. I think four to six is a range that I think is manageable for him. Uh, it wouldn't, especially as a starter, because, I mean, he he had, what, one or two this year. He should have had three. They robbed him of one on the stat book, and he was a rotational guy, and he was able to get two or three. So I think four is very manageable, and as high as six. So that's going to be uh, – obviously, it depends on how he plays, injuries, whatnot, but I think four to six is really manageable for him. Now, what do you think they should do with the defensive line this offseason? Across the board, I mean, they can't – can they pay? Yeah, yeah. They could pay Yannick if they wanted to. I think it depends think how much you trim first. If you get yeah. ri- if you get rid of the Avery and the Malik Jackson and you know any of those other guys, uh, which I don't think they really have anybody else that they'll really be cutting. Uh, I think I think they'll end up drafting a guy late, uh, probably day three, depending on how their board beforehand is shaken up. If they get any extra picks and whatnot. I think uh, <clears throat> I it would probably be. Do you think they'd get another backup three tech? I think it would be another five tech because they thought that Taven would be the th- uh, five tech, but that's not. That's that not is happening. true. So yeah, um, and then Dwayne uh, Dwayne Smoot's a guy that might be gone too. So like you're saying, uh, they might right. be unless they want to move to two pure kind of edge guys instead of that big end small end they go to two just like pass rushers speed guys right. maybe 
Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Todd Wash and all that kind of configure this defense, if they're going to keep it the same or maybe tweak it like that. I think that'll really kind of, obviously, if they draft another speed rusher, that either means that they're either not resigning Unique, which would make me really sad, or they're moving to a different defensive front. I think Jalen Jelks, and I mentioned this before, is like the perfect five-tech project behind Calais Campbell. Dude, it's 6'5", 250. You want to see him bulk up, but much like Taven, dude's got legit athleticism and bursts off the line. Just he needs to refine his pass rush, um, you know, plan of attack, um, add that weight, learn some more technique. But he's got some moves, and he can freaking move. I mean, you pair him right next to Taven Bryan. If you can land Jelks in the third round, and you know, within a couple of years, you've got probably the fastest three tech, five tech combo in the NFL, like definitely up there in terms of pure burst. Yeah. And that would be terrifying, especially for yeah, right. just having, cause I mean, Tave and Brian might have one of the fastest, like first steps like I've ever seen. And right. if you can kind of refine those moves a little bit, I think he's going to be an absolute monster on the inside. And then if you can get another guy like Jelks on the outside, you have two of those, uh, on the, I guess, what, Jelks is the, when, where does our big end usually line up? The right side or the left side facing the quarterback? Um, it's It changes up. More so going against the left tackle from what I realized, but I guess it just depends on the personnel yeah. groupings, strong side. So anyway, having side. having two of those guys on the same side is would be terrifying from a first step standpoint because if either of them beat you, or if they both beat you, then that whole side of the pocket's already collapsed, which means right. quarterback's already flustered, and that's going to lead to either errant throws, which the uh, DBs are going to like. And so the first step, if you could get like that fast, because, I mean, Unique's not slow by any means either. He can bend around the edge pretty fast. So that would be a really, really fast <laughs> defensive front. It, it really would be. And then you've got big man Darius in the middle just ready to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that should just about do it for us today here at Locked On Jaguars. Make sure to tune in next week as we continue the roster breakdown. We got linebackers, secondary, and special teams left. By that point, I'm sure there's going to be some Jaguars news to talk about. Trying to land a couple more prospect interviews. If you didn't check out the Dalton Reisner interview yet, be sure to check that out as soon as you can. Uh, But we're definitely working on it. Uh, Trying to get any Jaguars players or prospects, any of that kind of jazz up in here before the you know, off season really gets rolling and we will catch up with you guys next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season, look no further than the locked on NFL scouting podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day.